from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Great goats. They are so much like sheep though. They are not usually the fence jumpers. And what makes these kids in Georgia so unique? A rough season for winter wheat. You know, we're ignoring right now uh, some significant declines in, in, uh, in crop condition ratings uh, in some parts of the hard red belt. We have the latest condition ratings and more moisture arrives in the west. Our snowpack is actually off to one of its best start in the past 40 years. The good news and bad news when it comes to all that moisture right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Michelle Rutkin. has the day off. A powerful winter storm is slamming into California, bringing heavy rains and snow. Some forecasters calling it a bomb cyclone. The National Weather Service warning that rain could be heavy, falling at an inch or more per hour with a total of up to four inches falling. Now the concern that areas that have already been drenched by heavy rains earlier in the week will get hit again, and that could cause flooding, landslides and power outages. The storm also is bringing up to eight inches of snow in the mountains. And besides this major storm impacting California right now, there is another storm impacting the Mississippi Valley and the Great Lakes. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire is tracking it all. And let's first take a look out west, where again we are watching damaging winds throughout this morning. Gusts anywhere from 40 to 60 plus miles an hour are going to be possible out across parts of the west coast uh, once again. And we're going to continue to uh, watch these uh, strong winds here as we go throughout uh, Thursday morning. But luckily, once we head towards the uh, afternoon and into this evening, you know, we're finally going to get a break from that high wind, especially across uh, the uh, Sierra Mountain ranges here as we head into the second half of today. Here's a look at the bigger picture of the system here off the west coast. Again, bringing with it that pockets of heavier rain and intermountain snow. And that trend will continue into tonight, Friday and even through this upcoming weekend, as again, that atmospheric river is not letting up just yet. And check out this map here. The entire lower 48 is above normal for the Climate Prediction Center for January 6th through the 13th for temperatures, something that you don't see too often for the month of January. Here's a look at our temperatures for this afternoon. Cold front moving through the Great Lakes and deep south will continue eastward. That'll bring a cool down for much of the country here as we round out the next two days. And a frosty but beautiful start to the new year in Graceville, Minnesota. Kara Bauer, who always shares terrific pictures with us, capturing this beautiful barn amid all those flocked trees, making the scene picture perfect. I'll have more Drag Day forecast in just a few. Thanks, Andrew. The mountain snow coming in California and a string of recent storms are really helping the snowpack right now. State officials taking their first survey of the year reporting that they recorded 55.5 inches at one station. That's a snow water equivalent of 17 and a half inches. Statewide, the snowpack sits at 173% of average for this time of year. It's more than 65% of the average needed by April 1st when the snowpack is usually at its peak. Officials with the Department of Water Resources are cautiously optimistic. Our snowpack is actually off to one of its best start in the past 40 years. Um, however, that doesn't mean we're out of the woods quite yet, and we must continue to remain vigilant uh, and, cont and continue to conserve water. Uh, no single storm event will end the drought. We'll need consecutive storms, you know, month after month after month of above average rain, snow, 
and runoff to help really refill our reservoirs so that um, we can really start um, digging ourselves out of extreme drought. Uh, we're cautiously optimistic at this point, uh, but we all know what could happen if the pattern turns dry, uh, similar to what it did last year when we experienced the driest January through March on record. The Sierra snowpack is vital to the state, supplying about 30% of its water needs. And there's also good news about water levels in Arizona, where the Coolidge Dam is recording its highest water level in five years, now measuring above 238,000 acre feet behind the dam. That's above last month's measurement of 220,700 acre feet, which was the highest December total recorded. Upon hearing the news about the December levels, Arizona State Representative and rancher David Cook tweeted out, quote, those farmers will be able to farm this coming year. Also sharing some pictures and video. Now it's reported the dam dried up over this summer with water shortages impacting farmers in the Pinal County. But dryness persists in parts of Europe where unseasonably warm temperatures have led to a snow shortage at some ski stations. These slopes in the Alps of Austria are surrounded by snow, free green meadows, which is a very different site than normal for this time of year. And these patches of snow are even more than what some other countries have. In France, a lack of snow has forced ski stations, especially in the Pyrenees mountain range, to shut down. But dry conditions persist here in the U.S. The winter wheat crop went into dormancy with one of the lowest crop ratings in history. Now individual state conditions ratings show further deterioration during December, except for Oklahoma and Colorado. The good to excellent ratings on hard red winter wheat dropped 22 points in Montana to 22%, 11 points in South Dakota to just 16%. Both Kansas and Nebraska fell two points, with Kansas now at 19%, Nebraska at 18%. We do see some improvements over the last month, including a seven-point bump in Oklahoma to 38% good to excellent and 20 points in Colorado, now standing at 50%. Texas did not release updated crop condition ratings. The news failed to move the wheat market. You know, we're ignoring right now uh, some uh, significant declines in, in, uh, in crop condition ratings in some parts of, uh, uh, in some parts of the hard red belt. Um, Oklahoma improved, but Kansas declined, and I think 19% good to excellent just doesn't feel very good uh, for, you know, potential yields going forward. You know, the, the wheat, you know, I think we rallied that off of winter kill scares and things like that, which I think are justified, but probably not justified until spring when this crop comes out of dormancy and we really know the crop conditions. So. The wheat market isn't trading the lower wheat plantings in Ukraine either and instead is focusing on the record large Russian crop. They've been able to supply much of the world's needs. Western governments are allowing Russian wheat to be exported despite the war to avoid famine. That's undercutting U.S. wheat exports. House Republicans opened the second day of the new Congress to let odds over the election of a new speaker. House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy saying he wouldn't drop his bid for speaker despite failing on multiple ballots on Tuesday and another on Wednesday. On the last vote Tuesday, 20 Republicans voted against McCarthy. The California lawmaker is expected to continue making concessions and compromises with holdouts until he has been able to grasp the gavel. Among those voting against McCarthy so far, Republican Representative Matt Gates of Florida. For months, we have been asking Mr. McCarthy for his battle plan. How do we ensure that we stand up for 
folks in the military who feel like they're being purged? How do we ensure that if there is the passage of a farm bill, it includes things like work requirements? And all we got was a handful of howdy and a mouthful of much obliged. The House is constitutionally bound to elect a speaker before taking up any other business, and that includes swearing in new members. Greens and Hawks posted another lower close on Wednesday. Just cattle, the only market bucking the trend. Brian Doherty will have analysis coming up. And later, how a rare breed of goat is helping to put some Georgia producers on the map in the country. Wednesday's market closes were mostly lower except for cattle futures. Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing, joins us. And Brian, grains kind of picked up where they left off on Tuesday. So are we seeing more profit taking in that market or was it more of a risk off kind of session again? Well, you could call it both. I, I call it today was probably a lot of unattended future sales today. And that is when the market goes down, stop orders are likely triggered. We excuse me, we saw last week um, on the Friday's commitment of trade report confirmed that the, the managed money added 45,000 contracts of corn through Tuesday. And it looked like they were pretty big buyers on Wednesday, Thursday, and likely Friday as well. So when the market tips over, they've likely put their stops up. A few other things though going on too. Again, growing concern about China. Fourth quarter numbers were not good, not expected to increase in the first quarter COVID. So you've got some of that. Farmer selling likely picked up at the end of the year. Um, but I'm going to say with, with, the, with the crude oil down and stop orders being triggered, it was mainly a technical day. But again, a reminder just how fast these rallies can disappear. We had a good, we had a good run last week. We've taken it all back and then some. That's right. And did we do some technical damage to the point where this market maybe can't recover or not? Well, I don't think we've done that because we're still holding above recent lows, but we did move through some pretty big moving averages. And in corn, again, we tested the Bollinger Band. Soybeans, we'd like to have seen a close back above 15. We didn't get that, but prices are high historically. The market focus will turn quickly to South America, drier warmer weather expected again for Argentina. So that may provide support. The key is whether or not the big production estimates out of Brazil hold. And right now you'd have to lean toward them holding until the weather proves otherwise. Yeah. And cattle market obviously reacted to the big pullback in the corn market, but we're back up kind of uh, close to the contract highs again. Does that market keep going here? Do you think? Well, it looks like we had pretty good disappearance and good Good value on the primal cuts uh, over the holiday weekend and retailers back in buying. We had some pullback in the futures. And then as soon as it got some type of catalyst, particularly in the feeder market with corn prices down, it didn't take long for the market to kind of spark really fast right. and move. So that trend is still up. The weather has been what I'm going to call less than ideal again. You got this fluctuating either side of 30 degrees for the last couple of weeks. Right. Um, I, I'm supportive to the cattle market. Thanks so much for joining us, Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing. We'll have more Ag Day next. To discuss marketing strategies, call 
Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire is back with us this morning. Boy, it has been a very wet last week, hasn't it? It especially has, especially across the deep south. You go towards the southern Mississippi and again to those reds and even some pinks certainly stand out there. And again, this is a look at the estimated rainfall over the past seven days. It's certainly been inundated with water. Uh, several flooding and flash flooding concerns as well. And again, flooding concerns, they stretch all the way up into the Carolinas here as well as again, this area has been really inundated with uh, several systems here and severe weather over the past uh, 24 and 48 hours has led to this additional rainfall as well. Meanwhile, across the Pacific Northwest, across the, the uh, northern half here of California has really been inundated with lots of moisture. And in fact, uh, the radar can't even pick up the estimated of feet of snowfall that has dropped a lot of moisture across the parts of the Sierra Mountains. So we got the flooding potential here as we go throughout to this Thursday and again it's pretty much centered where it's remained over the course of the past uh, several days as this atmospheric river uh, continues to inundate uh, parts of uh, California here again bringing with it uh, several chances of moisture from LA up towards uh, San Francisco and that trend will continue here as we go on into uh, much of this uh, rest of this week and into next uh, weekend. Let's take a look at this precipitation here through uh, the end of this weekend going forward towards next week. We're going to see kind of a quiet pattern starting to shape up here across the northern plains and Great Lakes areas. Meanwhile, again, well above average up across the Pacific Northwest. And we look at the jet stream for any relief here for California and the far western coast here to see when we can finally shut off that atmospheric river. Well, it's still going to be pumping up moisture as we go throughout the rest of this weekend and even on into the early portion of next week. And again, uh, notice how the rest of the country here kind of looking at more of a zonal west to east pattern. Not a whole lot of movement here for those uh, systems here to work their way eastward. So for now, again, the bulk of the moisture will stay out west. I think once we get towards the latter half of next week, though, we'll finally start to see some of that to pattern beginning to break on down out west. Here's a closer view of that system out to west here. Again, the low pressure system going to continue to strengthen and continuing to move on shore as we go throughout the end of this week. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look a little closer to home. Moosehead, Maine, snow showers high 21, low 18 degrees. Going over to Stockton, Illinois, snow showers high 35 degrees. And going over to Warm Springs, won't be warm, rain to snow, high near 40 degrees. Dry pastures amplified issues for ranchers over the summer, especially in Texas. Texas A&M Forest Service adding up the numbers, reporting that it, along with local fire departments, responded to 11,679 wildfires last year. It's estimated those fires burned more than 643,000 acres across the state. But at the same time, firefighters were able to save more than 8,000 homes in the path of those wildfires. How? They credit homeowners who created a defensible space. That's an area around a home that is cleared of vegetation and other things that are easily flammable. For example, fire crews point to a home in Eastland County, Texas, that survived a March wildfire. The owner had replaced the landscaping around their home with gravel, which saved it. They're encouraging farmers and ranchers to act now as dry conditions persist. An emergency order is being issued by federal regulators to make sure animal feed gets to foster farms in California. The Surface Transportation Board, wanting to ensure the livestock producer gets the grain it needs to prevent millions of chickens and hundreds of thousands of cattle from starving. 
the agency directing Union Pacific Railroad to deliver feed to the company based in Livingston, California. Foster Farms says it turned to regulators for help because it has little confidence Union Pacific would deliver the trains it promised on time. Union Pacific telling the Associated Press extreme cold and blizzard conditions slowed deliveries in 20 out of 23 western states where it operates. It says five trains hauling corn are on their way to Foster Farms. This is the second time the board has issued an emergency order to get feed to Foster Farms. It issued one over the summer after similar service problems. The fur from sheep and goats often keep us warm this time of year. But this particular breed of goat produces a fur that is quite rare. Details in the country. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed, from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. One particular breed of goat is turning heads in Georgia. As Ray D. Alisio of Georgia Farm Monitor reports, they grow a very unique, high-quality fiber. If they didn't know any better, at first glance, one might mistake these mild-mannered creatures for your everyday average sheep. An easy mistake to make, but in fact, these are a very coveted breed of goat. They're Angora goats, and they produce mohair, and they are originally from Turkey. They wouldn't let them out of that country for hundreds of years, and they finally made it out. And they finally made it down to Texas, and there's a lot of Angora goats in Texas, and um, they're the only goat that grows mohair. All other goats have some amount of cashmere. So if you want mohair, you have to have Angora goats. And they're just cute. Um, the horns are handy. And um, they are so much like sheep, though. They are not usually the fence jumpers. And um, they're pretty docile. They like people. And they're very friendly. Tina Evans owns and operates Dry Creek Naturals in Taylorsville one of only a handful of farms in Georgia that raise Angora goats. You heard her mention mohair. Well, believe it or not, mohair is actually talked about in the Bible during the time of Moses. It's both durable and resilient, easy to dye, increase resistant. But arguably, the most impressive feature of mohair, it's fireproof. The advantage of my mohair is I got into the natural colored goats early on, my white goats started producing colored mohair and I didn't want to dye fibers. I just wanted to be naturally colored. Um, most of my customers do like all the dyed colors, but I love the natural colors and um, it's soft, it's silky, it's warm, it's cool. It's just a really good feeling fiber. When you don't feel good, you can just rub on this mohair and the energy, whatever. It's just, it's just a feel good fiber. The animals are small, they're easy to take care of. There is a lot of care. Um, mine get a show ration. They need a lot of protein. They need a lot of good roughage. And they get pasture. They need shorn every six months. And their hooves grow fast because that mohair is growing fast. So they need a lot of foot trimming. Um, parasites are an issue down here in the south because we are wet and we have a lot of grass. And you have to stay on top of that. Um, it's just like any fiber growing animal, there's, a, there's work involved, but the finished product is way worth it.
mohair is the only it's the only mohair it's no other way to get it and a lot of wool looks like mohair it's curly but it does not feel mohair has the handle of silk it also has a lot of luster and there's no other fiber like it our thanks to ray and the georgia farm monitor for that report well thanks for joining us this morning for ag day from all of us here at the ag day crew have yourself a great day